All right, we're, we're in um, our fifth and final part of the series, Bear Fruit. Everybody say Bear Fruit. Amen. So we have uh, our scripture that we've been breaking down piece by piece, and it is Galatians 5, through 23. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we have talked about love and joy. Who remembers that week? Week one, we were talking about love and joy. And we talked about peace and patience. Patience is hard for a lot of us. Okay, time out. Danielle know what I'm talking about here. I didn't even pray for patience. And I, the last couple of weeks, it's been, I don't know what's going on. And it's only when I'm driving. Only when I'm driving. And, and if you were... You can ask Danielle. I'm not overreacting. There are literally hoodlums, uh, hooligans driving around me at all times. It's like it's like this. I, I bring this force field of crazy drivers. And uh, like to uh, yesterday, there was two in one day. Here, here's a story. This I won't go too long, but this is funny. So yesterday, we're on PCH. Everybody know what PCH is? It's that road by the beach that's just two lanes. You can go this way or you can go this way. That's it. So I'm driving the normal speed everybody drives on there and there's like four cars and then this Mercedes behind me decides that I'm not driving fast enough on a two-lane road that I'm what and so they they pull around me like this and then and then they pull just in front of me and there's like three cars in front of that so they like really put them and there's cars coming the other way so they put themselves in massive danger to just get right in front of my car I was like Okay, <laughs> like, man, you're going to get there so much faster now that you cut me off. And uh, so I was kind of like, okay, and I was like, patience, Brent, patience, you know. And then and then we're coming up to this stoplight, and this car's still in front of me, and I'm like, cool, no road rage. I'm not going to yell at them. I'm fine. I'm good, you know. Maybe they're in a hurry somewhere, you know. I don't care. Okay, time out. Valeria is here in the back. Oh, my goodness. Everybody get a hip, hip. I've missed you, homie. It's so good to see you. Sheesh. All right. We'll talk after. You're awesome. Um, so we're at this red light. I'm at this red light. And this, well, we're pulling up to the red light, and there's this old Dodge truck. And this dude is, like, this close to my bumper. And he's, like, going like this. I was like, what is going on? Like, I'm not even driving slow at all. And this dude's like this. And then so I, like, I like come to the stop, and I, and I hit the brakes. And this dude literally almost rear-ends me. And I was like, what is going on? And then that dude in the truck gets out of his car and starts walking up towards my car. And I was like, oh, my. <laughs> and I, I was like, I, I, what did I do to deserve this, you know? And this is an old guy. I'm not trying to get in an argument. I'm not trying to beat up an old guy and be in the news. Local youth pastor puts an old guy in. You know what I mean? Like, come on. I'm not trying to do that. So, like, this guy's walking up. I, like, lock the door. I'm like, dude, please stop. Just go back to your truck. You know, I'm not trying to do this right now. And then come to find out, this dude behind me was mad at the dude in front of me, and I'm stuck in a, in a road rage sandwich. And so this dude's trying to get to the Mercedes, not me. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. And then the Mercedes, at a stoplight, the one that's by the gas station in that little old beach club right there, the, the Mercedes pulls up onto the curb because he sees the old man get out of his car. Mercedes pulls up onto the curb and then peels out on the curb and then takes off and keeps going. And I was like, this is wild, folks. And then I'm driving into town, and the guy in the old the old guy in the truck goes like this, and I was like, so I like rolled down my window. Do you know where that guy went? I was like, no, I'm driving. Oh, I don't know where he went. I'm driving with you, dog. Like, 
what are you going to do if you find him? <laughs> Should I call the cops? Like, what's going on? So there was that, and Danielle's like, dude, this is rough. Because there's been other instances where just people are doing crazy stuff. And then later on that night, I, uh, I'm driving to jiu-jitsu, and as I'm going, uh, I'm coming up to a, another red light, and so I'm slowing down. The light is, like, yellow as yellow gets. Like, like if you don't drink water all day, like that type of yellow. So I <laughs> – just kidding. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, it's okay. If you're listening to the podcast, it says Echo Youth, so there you go. Um, so it's yellow, real yellow, not kind of yellow, real yellow. So I'm just slowing down. And then this truck behind me, I don't know if they weren't paying attention. I don't know what's going on, but I almost died. This homie's coming in like 80 miles an hour straight for me, and I was like, I'm straight up dead. <laughs> I'm like looking in the rearview mirror, and I was like, you know, <laughs> I was like, Lord, please. I was trying to text someone and take care of Danielle, you know, <laughs> and and uh, and all. Of, I don't know if he saw me the last thing or something, but he swerves in the next lane, and the light was like red, red, like very red. Like people were already in the intersection red, and this dude just goes all the way through it, and I was like, what is, I'm going to ride my bike everywhere now because, like, I don't know what's going on. So, anyways, patience, yeah, it's great. Um, the, the next week was kindness and goodness. Anybody remember that? That guy in that Dodge truck should have used, he could have used some kindness, you know what I mean? You don't need to fight people, come on. Faithfulness and gentleness was, uh, was last week. I really enjoyed that one for myself. And then now it's time for self-control. And the funny thing is, I just realized, Kevin, that your brother's not here for self-control. Did he do that on purpose? What? He's sick? He's sick. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spam send him this message on the podcast app. Um, anywho, what a guy. I love that guy. Okay, self-control. Everybody says self-control. So, as I do, I looked up self-control on the internet, see what it meant. Self-control means the ability to control oneself. That makes, that makes sense. The ability to control oneself, in, part, in particular one's emotions and desires, or, or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. Especially in difficult situations. So as I'm reading this definition, I see that there's, there's the ability to control oneself. Okay, I might be able to do that. That seems pretty good. In particular, one's emotions. Okay. Like some of us, don't raise your hand, but like I feel like I'm okay at controlling my emotions. Sometimes I'm not. Like I, you know, I can get angry or I can get really sad or I can get, you, if you know me, you know, I can get really crazy happy and you guys are like, dude, tone it down, like vol- level down, <laughs> right? Especially leading up to camp. But uh, but then I, this second one is controlling one's desires. That seems a little bit more harder. Especially in today's society. Who knows that? Society is telling us that we, we ought to make decisions based off of our feelings, our desires, our emotions, all that kind of stuff. Whatever you're feeling, just go with it. Right? The gut, gut feeling is a good thing in a lot of instances. Like, especially if you're, if, if you're a Christian because the Holy Spirit's working through you. And sometimes the gut feeling is called discernment. Meaning that the, the Holy Spirit's telling you, like, hey, there's something up here. So that's okay. But, like, we should... We should really fact-check things with God's will at all times. We should fact-check things with, with the Bible. You know what I mean? But, but for me, and I catch myself doing this all the time, I want to make decisions based off of how I'm feeling. Like, oh, this seems awesome. This is going to be great. It's going to be cool. Or my desires. I really want this. Like, I'm honest. I'll be honest with you guys. When I, uh, uh, I, was, shopping for, I was shopping for a truck a little while ago, I really wanted a brand-new truck. I really wanted a 
a big, nice, brand new truck. I was sending, I was sending the boys trucks. I was sending Danielle trucks like every day. Check this out. And Danielle's like, we, we, what? And I was like, this is sick, huh? <laughs> She's like, we'll be in debt till we're 70. I was like, I don't care. This truck's dope. You know what I mean? I'm like, I want, I want this truck. And right. And so I had to control myself and just buy what we needed at the time. And then later on, if God blesses that, I can have a big truck. You know what I mean? So we don't, we can't always make decisions based off of our feelings, our emotions, and our desires. Amen. Proverbs 25, 28 says, a man without self-control, ladies, you're not off the hook, a woman without self-control too, (laughs) a person without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So, like, what does that mean? A person without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. What that means is, because self-control has to do with temptation, amen? Amen. I'm tempted to do something. And, and it's not always necessarily I'm tempted to do, you know, these crazy bad things. I might just be tempted to be upset. I might be tempted to be this or that or that. And what this is saying is that a city broken into and left with no walls means you don't have any defense anymore. So when those temptations come, when sin is knocking at your door, if you don't have the ability to have self-control, there's, there's no stopping anything coming at you. That's what it's saying. The, the lack of self-control means I can't control my urges. So that means I'm just going to live a life filled with sin because I can't say no. Amen? It means you're leaving yourself vulnerable against temptation and sin. A holy and righteous life require self-control. Second Timothy 1, uh, seven says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So God, God doesn't want us to be fearful. Who's ever been fearful in your life? Raise your hand. I've been fearful many times, especially in the past couple of years, 2020, 2021. There was a lot of things that were freaking me out, right? I, but there's a lot of blessings in disguise. One, one example is I used, to work, um, I used to work two jobs full time, and I did all the way up into the pan- pandemic. So I'd work here at the church, uh, and then at about 2, 3 o'clock, I'd go to my next job, and I'd work till about... Eight, nine, ten, depending depending on the day, and then I come home, and uh, and it was it was great. It was good money, and it, it helped us pay a lot of the bills. And I and I thought that I I needed that. Who's ever thought you needed something that you don't actually need? I thought I needed that to pay our bills. I thought I needed that to provide a life for my family that we needed. And when the pandemic hit, I lost that job. And you can ask Danielle. Like I was kind of freaking out about it. I like hit like a couple months after the pandemic hit and we were locked down I hit I I've I've never ever struggled with like anxiety or depression I've struggled with a lot of other things but those weren't things I've struggled with and in in those months months after that everything got locked down I just went into this deep depression I was just not myself and anybody who was hanging around me at that time knew that something was up and uh and I was I was I was anxious because I was scared I wasn't going to be able to provide and the other thing was I was I I felt like I had no I felt like there was no way to go. Who's ever felt that? Like you're just closed in, right? And and then I realized, like this scripture, that God has not given me that spirit of fear. God, God hasn't, God hasn't placed that in my life for me to be afraid like that. Well, I just spit everywhere. So why, so, so, so I realized that in my life, if I'm a fearful of all these things, they, th- those, those warning signs, those, those, 
that fear, the anxiousness, that's not of God. And so to counteract that, I, I decided to start declaring things that are of God and, and, and things that God has promised in my life. And then pretty soon I've, I felt the things breaking off in my life and I, and, I, and I felt like I was a little bit back to normal, back to myself, right? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us of power. I don't think it's, I don't think it's coincidence that the first thing said after fear is power. To almost say that you have power over your fears. Amen? And love and self-control. So for us in our lives, anything short of self-control is not of God. That's a tough thing to say, though. Because there's many, there's many times in my life, and I'm sure there's many times in all of your lives, that we don't have self-control. And we fall short. And we, and we react, like, quickly on something. And we just do whatever we think is best. But anything short of self-control is not of God. And so we have to fight really hard to be in control. Amen? Are we going to mess that up? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> should we try to be in control of our body, spirit, mind at all times? Yes, we should. So it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. You're not. Nobody's perfect. But we should strive to be the best version of us that we can be. Amen? This is part of the reason that the Bible says not to be drunk with wine. <gasps> Who's ever heard that scripture? Anybody? The Bible says not to be drunk with wine. Or for today's age, not to get drunk. Younger folks, stay with me. It's cool. Be mature. We got this, all right? But the reason the Bible says that, and, and, and it's interesting. A lot of people will ask me, why does the Bible say this? Why does the Bible say I can't do this? Why does the Bible say everything in the Bible, every commandment, everything that God asks us not to do is for an actual real purpose. There's a spiritual purpose and there's an actual physical purpose to everything. If you look at like the old, old, uh, the old laws and like Leviticus and things like that, the things that don't really, some of them don't really apply to today, but the reason they applied to back then is because they weren't only spiritual commandments, they were just physical commandments. Things that would help people stay healthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's pretty simple. So, so the not get drunk with wine, one, because... You, you see it all the time. People's lives can get ruined with alcohol. But the other thing is because God tells us that he has not given us a spirit of fear or anything, but of self-control, you cannot be in control of yourself when you're intoxicated with something else. So that's why. It's not just to be a bully. It's not to say you can't, you can't get drunk because it's bad. It's because there's, there's actual real-life implications. Amen? Proverbs 16.32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit, then he who takes a city. Basically saying that someone who has self-control is more powerful and more dangerous than the mightiest warrior you could think of. Because it's good to be, in, to be mighty and powerful, but it's, it's even more powerful than that to be in control of yourself. Amen? Some of the most powerful things you could do in this life is to be in full control of yourself. So you might be thinking to yourself, Brett... Aren't we supposed to let God be in control? You keep talking about me being in control, but aren't we supposed to let God be in control? And the answer to that is obviously yes. Yes, God is supposed to be in control. We're supposed to let God, you know, Jesus take the wheel, you know? Take it from my hand. Anybody know that song? All right. I started to sing it, and then I felt my voice kind of crack, so then we just went for the... But, but, of course, God needs to be in control. But we have to remember that having God in control is a choice for us. 
So the reason I keep telling you that you need to be in control is, is because God, is, God can control your life if you want him to. But you control your choices each and every day. In, and so in choosing God, we have to put him in control of our situations and circumstances. But that's a choice that we must continually make. We don't just make it once and say, God, take control of my life. It's yours. You got it. After we, after we pray that prayer, like, yes, we're saved forever. I don't believe you, you're going to lose your salvation unless you give it away. Like, you'll be saved, but, but we have to continually make the choice to let God be in control. There's people who have been Christians for 25 years who God's not in control of their life. Why? Because somewhere along the road, we, they, they forgot to give it over to them each and every day. The Bible says to re- renew your mind daily, and that's what that means. So can, can I tell two stories today? Is that cool? I'm going to do it really quick. I'm not going to read it. It's not going to be slow. It's going to be cool. Story time with Brett. Is that cool? Um, there's two stories in the Bible two, of very, very famous characters that I've preached a whole lot about. And they're actually two relatively similar stories, but they tell two different stories. Amen? So the first one is a story of someone named David. Everybody know who David is? So David, David's, David's the kid, little shepherd boy who got forgotten by his dad. Feels bad. And, and then Samuel says, no, you're supposed to be king. He says, cool, sounds great. And then, and then where, where we go after that is he, he then goes to help his brothers out at war. And then there's this big guy, Goliath. Anybody know who Goliath is? Goliath was this, what was he, nine feet tall or something like that? Fourteen feet tall behemoth of a man who was like... He wants to fight someone, and nobody wants to fight him. And David, this little shepherd boy, tall, handsome, and stuff, kind of like Caleb. And uh, both Caleb's, actually. <laughs> uh, but, but he says, okay, I'll fight him. And they say, okay, well, here's some armor. Here's all this stuff. And, and he says, nah, it's cool. I got my, my slingshot, and, uh, and that's all I need. They're like, what? And he kills this giant. He's throws, hits him in the forehead with a rock, knocks him out, and cuts his head off. Whoa, okay, calm down. That escalated quickly. And then, and then the story continues on where the, the king at the time was Saul, and, and David's best friend was this guy, Jonathan. It was this really weird friendship because David and Jonathan are best friends, and Saul wants to kill David. So imagine, like, going over to sleepovers at your best friend's house, and their dad's trying to kill you, right? It's, like, a little bit awkward. So, like, they, they're trying to work this thing out. And, but eventually, David becomes king. And we know him as King David. Right? And you've heard the story before. Same thing. Young folks in the room. We got this. Let's be mature. But David is out on his balcony and he sees, he sees a woman named Bathsheba. And ironically enough, Bathsheba is taking a bath. And he sees her. And what does he not have in this moment self-control because he decides it's best for her to be with him so they you know and then she gets pregnant and he freaks out why because he realized that Bathsheba is the wife of one of his most trusted warriors and so this is this is a mess this is bad so he tries to clean up this mess by having the husband come home so the husband can think that it's his kid and the husband is so honorable that he says i will not sleep in my own house while my friends are out there fighting 
I'll sleep on the porch, basically. And so David's like, uh, okay. And then so David decides, well, there's only one way to fix this at this point. This escalates very quickly. And so he decides to send him to the front line so for him to be killed. Because David can't live with this mess that he's created. All because he didn't have what? Self-control. Another story. There's a man named Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph, the coat of many colors, awesome, has all these brothers. He's the most loved one by his dad. Kind of bad, shouldn't play favorites, but it happened. So, Joseph gets this coat of many colors. He's, t- he's, got, he's blessed by God. He's getting these dreams that he can interpret. And he tells his brothers a couple different dreams where basically the dreams are saying that, hey, homies, brothers, hey guys, uh, you guys are all going to be circled around me and then you're going to bow down to me. And imagine, if you will, your little sibling, if you have one, or any of your siblings telling you, hey, I had this dream, and it's probably going to come true, and you're supposed to, like, get around me, and then at some point just bow down and worship me. Does that sound cool? You'd be like, what? 1v1 me right now. <laughs> yeah, right? You'd be like, no. And, and so that's what happened. The brothers got jealous. The brothers faked his death. They took his coat off, and they put some sheep's blood or goat's blood or something and he sent it back to dad and said he's gone. They sold him into slavery. Old Testament's crazy, (laughs) right? Like, hey, it's fine. Like, nowadays, like, if you're really that mad, like, you guys could just fight or something. Like, you don't have to sell him, you know? So, um, so he sold his brother into slavery. So Joseph goes into slavery. Joseph goes and he gets bought by this, this, uh, this man named Potiphar. So he works in Potiphar's house. He's a servant. And, and Joseph is so cool that he become and, and so honorable that he becomes kind of one of the highest uh, ranking guys in Potiphar's house. Pot- Potiphar was a very powerful man. And so Potiphar's wife, um, the story's a little bit opposite here, but Potiphar's wife decides that she really likes Joseph. And so she goes and tells Joseph, hey, like, let's hang out, you know. And, uh, and so she, so Potiphar's wife is trying to get to Joseph to have an affair, to be, to do something that is, that is unholy and unrighteous. Amen. And then Joseph being an honorable person, like all of you young men are in this room and ladies, I'm just specifically talking to the men because of these stories, but, but Joseph being the honorable young man that he is says, no, thank you. I would never do that to Potiphar. And so she gets mad, and as he's pulling away, trying to run away, she, she rips his clothes, rips his shirt, and then she uses it as bait to say, like, and she tells Potiphar, look, Joseph, she says, Joseph tried to rape me, and he, look, this is the example. And so Joseph gets thrown into prison. Joseph didn't do anything wrong. Joseph had what? Self-control. And he didn't do anything wrong. And so you might be thinking, well, okay, so David was king. And he did his wrong thing, killed somebody, but he was still king. And Joseph was here, he did something right, and he ended up in jail. Isn't that how life so often happens? That we do the right thing, and and it seems as if we're being punished for being good. But what often happens is we then cut our story off short. We cut the story and say, like, okay, well, I guess it it ends here. Right, a lot of times, if we were Joseph, a lot of us would be like, well, I'm in jail. I'm in prison. This is where my story ends. All I ever did was 
the right thing, and I've ended up here in prison. But there's more to the story. And so for you, if you're, if you're walking through life and you're doing the right thing and you keep feeling like it's the wrong things are happening, know that it's not the end of the story, amen? There's, there's things on the other side because we see with David that there was, he, he, had a, he killed somebody. He, has, he, he had, you know, a child out of wedlock. And then, and then he, there's this prophet, Nathan, that comes and rebukes him. He tells him this story. And David's so mad. And David says, let's kill that person. And then, and then Nathan says, that person's you. What? And I promise the, spir- the spiritual ramifications of David's mistake were more intense than the physical ramifications of Joseph being in prison. Because Joseph stayed steadfast, and he did the right thing, and he had self-control. And what happens is he eventually gets to come out, and he becomes second in command of all of Egypt because he interpreted a dream. He used his gift for Pharaoh. And so two very similar stories, two very similar temptations, Right? And one of, one of the men in the story was like a city with no walls. And the temptation came and it was. Whew. And the other one, Joseph, was like a city with walls. The tempca- temptation came and it bounced right off. And it paid off later. Amen? So what do these toys, stories tell? Toys. What do these stories tell? Two sides of self-control. And I'm wrapping up here really quick. Self-control can look like many things. Most not viewed as that big of a deal in these stories. But let me give you some examples. Here's some things that are not self or here's some things that are self-control, right? Not cheating in school. You know how easy it is to cheat in school? You're like, yeah, bro, you're telling me I'm in school. Okay, cool. And you're at home. Hello. But have self-control. Don't cheat. Right? Do the right thing. Answer the questions how you would. Study. Right? Be honorable in that way. Here's another thing. Not fighting with your siblings. Oh, this was hard for me. You heard all the stories last week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Same brother. And uh, just kidding. if you are here last week, you'll get that. Um, not talking back to your parents. But what if they're wrong? I don't care. They're still your parents. Amen? The Bible says honor your mother and father. That's fine. Hey, when you're 18, you can make all the decisions that you want. You're an adult. That's great. But as you're a kid, we've got to honor our parents. We gotta not talk back to our parents, even if we think they're wrong. Obviously, there's certain lines that can't be crossed. We get that. You know, abuse, things like that. That should never happen in the home. But if your parents are just telling you to do something and you don't think you wanna do it, that's not okay, right? Doing your homework, that's self control. Amen? <laughs> that was me. I was so bad. I never wanted to do homework. Who's with me? Anybody raise your hand if you don't want to do homework. Okay, but that's cool. I was there, but do it. (laughs) Here's another one. Self-control. Not going to the party that you've been invited to by the people you want to hang out with, but you know that you probably shouldn't be there. Amen? That one's kind of tough. But I want to go, and all the cool people are there. You'll be way cooler if you don't go, I promise. You're like, you're lying, but I'm not. Here's another aspect of, of, of self-control. Putting things in place on your phone or your computer to protect your eyes and heart from things you shouldn't be seeing. Not letting your emotions dictate decisions. Doing the right thing even when it sucks. Right? Joseph, he did the right thing. That sucked. <laughs> he, went to, he went to prison for, what was it, like... I want to say seven or 13 years, something like that. One of the two. 
you're like, that's a big gap. But I know it's one of those two. I know for a fact it's either 7 or 13. I think it's 7. Um, doing the right thing even when it sucks. Listening to your parents or pastor, hello, when we call you to a higher standard. That's a tough one. You're like, Brett, you're, you're plugging this so that I listen to you more. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely I am. Why? Because your parents are telling you stuff that you should listen to. And also, God has put put me and Danielle and your leaders in a, in a place where we can help you do the right things in life. So take some advice and listen to it. You know what I mean? The, the, the best aspects of my life were, were something that I heeded to. One of my youth pastors is in the back right now, Pastor Jeff. And there were many times where Jeff would tell me certain things I should or shouldn't be doing. Or I'd ask Jeff, how do I do this? How do I do this? Right? And then when I listened, my life turned out so much better. When I didn't listen, I had to go all the way around, take three lefts, turn right, stop sign, walk through, get out the car, walk some more. And then I finally arrived. And Jeff's like, hey, good to see you. I've been here for a while. You know what I mean? Here's another one for those of you that work. Getting to work on time. Big oof. Hello. Oh, here's a tough one. Showing up to church even when it's not convenient. Setting time aside for prayer, worship, and reading your Bible. Those are all things of self-control, amen? So what's the big deal? Why should we have self-control? i got three points, but it's really, really quick. I promise. You're like, three points? Okay, listen. Number one, it cleans up messes before they happen. The reason we need to have self-control is because it cleans up messes before they happen. Look, look at David's story. Oh, my goodness. Lots of mess. <laughs> Crazy mess. And he cleaned it up like a hitman, right? Like that, that's, not how, that's not the type of cleanup I want. Right, Joseph. It, there was a little bit of a mess, but not quite the mess that could have happened. Amen? If Joseph makes the wrong decision, I guarantee you he's never getting out of prison. But he made the right decision. It cleans up messes before we get there. Number two, everybody say number two. It protects your soul. So it cleans up messes before, before they even happen. And number two, it protects our soul. You're like, what do you mean by that? We see here that David had some serious things to deal with. And later in the story, Nathan rebukes him and David had to repent. And even after that, even after David repented, there are still ramifications from the mistake that David made that would last his entire lifetime and generations after. Right? David, David is like, man, David was almost perfect. <laughs> but there's this like one really big stain on the story. And with Joseph, Joseph's like, he protected his soul. He was, he was in right relationship with God the whole time, right? And I'm not saying that Joseph never did anything bad. He's human. He sinned. But, but Joseph was, was constantly striving to be righteous, amen? And we see how that worked out in his life. So number one, it cleans up the message before that. Number two, it protects your soul. Number three, my final point is it demonstrates obedience. Self-control cleans up messages before they even happen. Self-control protects my soul. And number three, it demonstrates obedience. Obedience to who? Obedience to God. Joseph was obedient to God. And in David's story, David wasn't. Which actually was outside of David's character. David was usually very, very in touch with, with God and obedient to God. But he had this one mistake and it, it made a mess. And so I, it sucks. I want to tell you this, but it sucks. Sometimes you can be doing really, really good, and you make one mistake, and it makes a whole big mess. It makes a whole big mess. And is there redemption from that? Of course there is. 
But let's try not to make that big of a mess. You know what I mean? Let's do the right thing whenever we can. Amen? Obedience is tough because it's often submitting to a will that we don't want and making a choice that we don't like. Obedience sucks. Why? Because if my, if, if my dad says to my mom when I was a kid, I really want Brett to go to his friend's house today. And I go up to my dad, I really want to go to my friend's house today. Great. That's not really obedience, though. <laughs> because, because I wanted it, he wanted it. Does that make sense? Your obedience will be tested when you want something other than what God wants you to do. And that's when it gets tough. I have to submit to a will that I don't want to in the moment. And I have to make a choice that I don't like. But, but God, who's ever said that? But God, I want to do this. Right? But God, it would be so much easier and collaborative if me and all my friends just shared our answers to the test. You know what I mean? It's called teamwork, God. You know? And he said, no. This is what I want you to do. But I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to me. In today's world, everything is about making decisions based on how we feel in our experience and our emotions and what makes us feel good. But that's extremely dangerous road to go down. Amen? Because there are a lot of things that will feel good that are not good for you. And there's some things that will not feel good that are very good for you. And so if we're just making decisions based off of how we feel, we're going to make the wrong decision more times than we don't. Obedience to God won't always be the best feeling in the moment, but it will 100% be the best thing for your, for your life, for your life's outcome. Trust God that he knows what he's doing. Amen? He knows what he's doing better than we do. And we need to be obedient to what he wants. Because everything that he wants for you is good. So to recap the series, because we're done. If we are living a Holy Spirit-led life, the fruit that we will bear is that we should love people like crazy. We should find joy in every circumstance. Have peace in the craziest storms. Have patience when it's really hard. Be kind to everyone. Be good people. Be faithful. Be gentle. And have self-control even when it doesn't feel good. Amen? I love you guys. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this series. Come back next week. we got something cooking up. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Everybody doing good? All right. Let's pray real quick, and then i got something to close us out with. Um, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And, God, just how you provide for us and how you love on us. Help us, Lord, to live a life guided by your spirit so that we can bear fruit and bear good fruit. And so help us to impact our communities. Help us to love our friends. Help us to love our families and everybody around us. Help us to love people that we don't want to love. Help us to make decisions that are right and in your will even when we don't like them. In Jesus' name, amen.